Tanae's, how art thou? What up with y'all? So, I have a question. When did it become a style for y'all to have white chalk on y'all line? I got white chalk on my line right now? It's a little bit there. Why you had to point it out for the people, babe? I, I thought that was... I know that's like the style no, in Chicago. If, if I if I got it on me, it's an accident. Oh. It's okay. Okay. It just looks... Now I'm self-conscious. It looks mighty criminal. Anyway. <laughs> You're such a jerk. <laughs> I am kind of a jerk. But the Lord is keeping me. Um... <laughs> You you know how like you I just have those moments where I just have an attitude and I have to try my best to not have an attitude. That's how I feel right now. Why you got attitude? Just things happen. And so but I'm pushing. <laughs> I'm 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 going, you know, because the enemy, he's not gonna steal my ability to show up and walk by the spirit. <laughs> and so we thank you for your love and your grace, Lord, and we pray that you would you would meet us here today. We have Pastor Bishop, Reverend Apostle. Doctor. Dr. Eric Mason with us today. Yes. Hello. Hello. Thank y'all for having me. E. Mason. Thank y'all for all oh, got some, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got some homage. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Eat muffins. Hey, nah, nah, nah. That was, I, what's good, man? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> now, what's, what's up with y'all? Glad to be here in, in the infamous living room <laughs> with all of the art. El Boogie at the top. Not I love infamous. it. I love it. Black fist up there. Mm-hmm. The ladies, they like this though. I, I can't do that though. That when, when you land, <laughs> don't do that anymore. When you landed in Atlanta, did you see any of the principalities? Oh my God! And rulers and authorities here. I, I was with immediate, him. immediately. I was with him. I, no, what, immediately. What's crazy is you just asked him that question, but I was with him yesterday, and he was calling him out. Oh, what is what? Tell I can't me. say. Oh, we what can't happened? do that conversation. I can't can say it on the podcast. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a that's a uh, what's it after podcast conversation. Oh, I want to know. I was like, this man is seeing all kind of stuff because this is it's a lot of demons walking through Atlanta. It's a lot of demons in Atlanta. It's a particular kind of demon. It's a, it's like a worldly demon, a greed demon, a lust demon, and I know people are like, you know, but there, I I do believe that there are principalities over places. Um, where you see like this kind of cultural emphasis yeah. we, in a certain We kind of talked about that yesterday, place. me and Eric Mason. We was like, when we go to Chicago, it feels like everybody's angry. They're angry and violent. That's Philly. And, and Philly, Philly too. too. Philly too. When you come here, it's like everybody's just lust buckets. And greedy yeah, and what self, is, or a lot of selfish ambition. Yeah. Yeah. In the church and in the world. But then you go to like a Boston, highly intellectual, right? Yeah. Um, you go to a Miami, kind of like sensual. Yeah. It's interesting. Like. I was trying to be gracious. <laughs> you know. But anyway, go ahead. What's up, man? So, man, you wrote another book. Um, I'm going to show the people. Uh, Urban Apologetics Part 2. Yeah, with some folks. Yeah, cults and cultural ideologies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Urban Apologetics, the first Urban Apologetic book was, was really dope. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I haven't read this one yet, but I read the first <laughs> it's one. It's all good. It's you all know, good. we keep it real on the Perry's. I ain't read this one yet. <laughs> 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 but I read the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, why, why, why second Urban Apologetics book? Yeah, so um, I couldn't fit everything in the first one. You know, yeah. uh, we just couldn't. Um, and I wanted to deal with, you know, the first book in my mind, at the time, as y'all know, we were just dealing with a ton of black identity issues, you know. Yeah. I felt like when we were addressing black people with the gospel, we were we were uh, addressing them intellectually, but weren't... Um, dealing with the historical affections of black people. And that's mm. that's who are we? Not just who are we in Christ. Where do I come from? And and if that's not important, why do so many African Americans seek out things that help connect them back to Africa or, or you know, yeah. cuz I mean like this is it's like this. 
you got a group out there that says we're, you know, we're the original, we're Califians, we're blacks from America, we're the original aboriginals. You got the Moors saying we're Moors. You got the other one saying we're Nubians and Egyptians. Hmm. Then you got the Hebrew Israelites saying we're the So there's no people in the world that has the most historically confusing identity. And I believe that's why God said don't move the borders that the that that God has set up. Hmm. Because when you move those borders, it causes identity disorder, which is a whole nother subject. Yeah. But that affected us so deep, you know. Yeah. And so, and so that's yeah, and so that 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 um hmm. that has affected us to this day. So that's what that book is about. This one. Um, I felt like it wasn't just black identity. What are the other cults and cultural ideologies that, that we dealt with? Because I started seeing that those were cults that we would talk. Some of those were cults. Not all of those are cults, but different groups and different cults. And then these cultural ideologies, everything from Christian nationalism, black liberation theology, um, and then going into the culture of deconstructing culture. And mm-hmm. then whole idea of cults. So as I started looking at all that stuff, I said, man, we need to separate this book from this one um, even the, uh, and and try to have some sections broke down to help Christians to... Because I think Christians need to be better thinkers. Yeah. Um, and I know we'll talk about it at some point, but I don't think we're missiologists anymore. I don't think, I don't think we do evangelism no more. Yeah. I think we just attract people to stuff. Mm. And, um, and I don't think we're thinking concertedly about how to biblically, lovingly, and practically engage people with the gospel. Well, well you know... I'm sorry, go ahead. Why, why do you think people aren't thinking? Yeah, because I think that um, they don't read anymore. Like... Uh-huh. Like all y'all, all of us have had got book deals or whatever, right? right. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they tell you is that people don't read like they used to. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure out ways to get them to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people are educated. People are, because of videos and everything, reels. They have very, very short attention spans, and so if something's artistically done well mm-hmm. and intellectually delectable enough mm-hmm. in a soundbite, they'll accept it as an original source. Mm. And so and so if I can get that through 30 seconds, 90 seconds, three minutes on TikTok, or, you know, eight minutes on YouTube, and that's literally the cliff notes mm. to what you were going to tell me in an hour and a half mm. or that it would take me a week to read, I'll take these. Mm. And so I think that's where we are. And mm. I think that's why people are not thinking, they don't think anymore. Mm. Another mm. question. Uh, why do you think that we strayed away from evangelism? Why, why, don't, why do you think the church is not as evangelistic as it used to that's be? That's a heck of a question. The reason why I think that we strayed away from evangelism is because everything from the church hurt culture to uh, church hate culture mm. Um we almost feel embarrassed, not of the gospel, but of what we'd be talking about bringing them into. Mm. And so I kind of feel like like there's this, I think Christians are embarrassed of being Christians in some ways Mm -hmm. nowadays. And so there's been, that's why it's a lot of syncretism and people going into wanting to be just culturally accepted. And with that cultural acceptance, of course, that was the Corinthians. Corinthians, one it called that's Paul's whole yeah. first Corinthians was his whole idea of y'all y'all love the culture but y'all don't y'all don't have a disposition towards being prophetic y'all like the prophetic gift for mm. for showing off but you don't like the prophetic gift for walking and living in truth mm. and so um, mm. I think that we're in an era where the church really and uh, you know needs to be rebranded. I have another question. Okay, every time you say something, it sparks another question in me. Yeah. Okay. Yesterday, yesterday when we was we was hanging out, I I asked you a question, and then we talked about how like uh, when we engage with you know the nation of Islam and 
how sometimes these these Muslim faiths they can get away with things that sometimes the Christian faith can't get away with. Absolutely, right. And so when you see like a Louis Farrakhan on the Breakfast Club engaging culture, yeah, um, mingling with the rappers, and their faith is not perfect either. Why right. do you think that some things are more socially acceptable uh, in culture when it comes to other faiths doing things? Opposed to like Christian Christians. Yeah, I think it's real simple. I think Ecclesiastes chapter three has the most interesting verse in it. Um, it says, "For God has put eternity in their heart that they won't know the things that were done." I think before time, basically. And so when you study that verse, it literally means that God has put the reality that He exists in everyone, mm-hmm. right? But people fill it. That's what Ecclesiastes is about. They fill it with other things. Mm. But um, and, but 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 I think that there's a sense in which spiritually, people know mm. that Christianity is true. Mm. Wow, I do, and 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 that doesn't affect my depravity doctrine. Mm. Yeah, it affirms it, and so wow. and so and so and so. Yeah, what I think good. happens is, is that's why Islam can get like in my city, and I love Philly, my city. Mm-hmm. But you can like dudes, dudes, most drug dealers in Philly. Named Nair, Nasir, Naeem, Amir. They come from Muslim families. During Ramadan, them Bamas, man, they they coloring their beard red and, and, and then putting on their, their whole situation. Girls, you know, wilding, drinking in, in the club, boom, 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 you know. And then <laughs> Ramadan, all that come, bro. They coosh, 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 head covered. During, mm. And I'm sitting there like, we could never get away from that. It's yeah. rappers out here <laughs> smashing <laughs> mad chicks, smoking weed. Was uh, 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 alaikum. I mean, you don't smoke, you don't eat pork, but mm. you, you a whoremonger, bro. Yeah. And so it's like, but then if we do it, we're hypocrites. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If y'all do it, you know, if nobody says anything, I don't want to mention no names, but it's mad Muslims. Like they got podcasts, mm-hmm. um, and every even five percenters. Like, yeah. th- But it's 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 interesting that, and I just think it's because people in the eternity in their hearts is signaling them that this is the beacon. You know, mm. the, the cross is the cell tower to God, you That's know, good. so I just feel like they they feel that. That's yeah. good. I'm, well, I'm wondering about even the way we use certain terms, right? So I think you hear people who have come from certain church traditions or certain institutions who will say, that was a cult. I know that was a cult. But if you ask, why is it a cult? They might just say, oh, they were overly legalistic, mm-hmm. all the things. And so in your book, you you do make a distinction between cults and being cultic. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so I got like three levels. Cult, cultish, uh, te- cultic tendencies, mm-hmm. cultish, and cult. Now, let's go to cult first. Mm-hmm. Because that's the easy, that's kind of the easier one to see. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about how you get into a cult, but how, how they get you in. Um, cults, they tend to, they, they tend to fully... Um, have a disposition that they are the only way to the higher power, right? Mm. And so they tend to be the heavy isolationist mm. um, and really isolate you from everything because one of the things that they try to do is to get you fully consumed into the cult and isolate you so crazily from everything um, that they have fully deceived you. So when we talk about cults, th- fundamentally, like I put it here, you know, a, a, a re- from a religious perspective, a cult, is often seen as a group who acts deceptively. Mm-hmm. So, and so, the, in other words, they act deceptively. What do I mean by that? So they'll have 
they won't, they'll use the same terminology that you and I use, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but means something totally different. Mm-hmm. Like, so you know from ministering to Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Yeah. Do you, they, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then we ask him, who is Jesus? Yeah. Is he, is he the eternal son of God? Yeah. Or is he the Archangel Michael? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you ask, you know, you know, Seventh day Adventists, if you ask them the same question, yeah. Because they they all, they cousins of each other, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. In Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh Adventist. yeah, yeah. They're like, they all, all of their founders were, they were all around at the same time. I yeah. can hear SDA people right now like, no, he did not. <laughs> oh, Just my God. Just you know, you, you know, with Jehovah's you, you know, as soon as you said that, I said, oof. Because we have a lot of people who come from the SDA church, and every time we talk about the Seventh-day Adventists, we're like, they look, they're almost like confused about mm-hmm. like, why are you even talking about our church? And maybe that's something that, you know, we probably should do some videos about that later. But yeah, like, a lot of people don't even know the difference between, you know, Orthodox Christianity and the SDA. Yeah, if you, if you get in a book and you look at the prophecies of L.N.G. White, mm-hmm. you look at L.N.G. White and their prophet and apostle and how they had, she plagiarized most of her doctrine, mm-hmm. fake prophecy, said Jesus came back in the 1800s. And you start, then you ask them, who is Jesus? Like, they believe that since we worship on Sunday, that we, yeah. that's the mark of the beast. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, 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 but LG White in her writings tells them, do not like go in and act like use their term. It's, it's literally we got it in the book. It's like literally this is her saying this. It's not us making it up. Yeah, yeah. And so to to go back to your question, Jackie, that's what's so deceptive about cults. Like if when because they view her writings equal, if not greater than the Word of God. Yeah, you know. And so that's but but cults are always like that. They they act deceptively. You you don't know. It's almost like a, a, a secret organization, you know, yeah. where you don't find out what it's really about until you're deeper mm-hmm. into it. And so that's cult. Mm-hmm. Um, um, which I would put. Um, I would put. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would put SDA as a full court cult like I would like. A Jehovah's so, Witness. Um, I, I, I would say. Uh, listen, I would say they were. They're cult. Have they called? I'll say cultic between cultic tendencies because they don't fully isolate you away like those cults that say we gonna all live in the commune together. You yeah. know, like the Waco like Jones. Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that's, that's to cult. me. That's I don't. I wouldn't put them. I would be more gracious yeah. to yeah. them, even though I do believe they're cult. Um, cultic t- uh, um, cultic is um, is just churches or groups uh, that I I would say that they are cultic tendencies, even though they they swing between both that and a cult. Yeah. Cultish is when you know, and I know. Don't be mad at me, some of my charismatic siblings. But some, <laughs> you know, you can't. You know, if you if you if you gonna um, if you gonna not come to church that Sunday, you gotta call a pastor <laughs> and let them know you're not coming. <laughs> and or people are asking you, where were you? Why weren't you at church? If you're going to another church, let us know what church that is so that we can know if we agree with. Like just mm. that. That's that micro. And so I would say that micro control over your life. Mm. You know, also cultic tendencies is prosperity stuff. The prosperity yep. that's a cultic tendency, mm. if not that. cultic, um, because it basically, whenever you take Christ out the center, you've automatically become some type of cult. Shonda, wow. Like, like whenever he not at the center of the joint. You know, through him and for him, all things have been made. Mm-hmm. Once you put money at the center, I remember one prosperity preacher, I'll never forget, he said, he said, I see money. He said, every time I open scriptures, all I see is money. And Jesus says, you search the scriptures for you think in them, you find eternal life, but mm-hmm. they all speak of me. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like, 
Right. And starting with Moses, uh-huh. he told them all of the things concerning himself in Scripture. Uh-huh. Did not our hearts burn? Like, it's like, bro, how you going to say you see money above the Messiah? It's giving wow. spirit. <laughs> That's good. You That's know. good. Why do you think a lot of cults target prof- professing Christians? How much time we got, man? And can you can you draw that out? Because because I don't have context for even the question you're asking. Maybe he can draw it out. Yeah, the reason why is <laughs> most cults. If you look at Hebrew Israelites, look at Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. You look at Seventh Day Adventists, which in their doctrine says they want to ev- their job is to evangelize Protestantism. Oh, um, got it. Like Nation of Islam, they target most of their converts. You talk to most people in the Nation of Islam. Who do they say? I used to, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. I, was, I mean, everybody. And, I'm, and it's like, why do they target Christians? And that's one of the things that I've realized engaging with different religions and different cults is they either came from the Christian church yeah. or they all kind of have beef with the Christian church. I mean, it, it, when you look at Mormonism, Joseph Smith said all of our teachers are um, perverted and have fallen away and, yeah. our, and our teachers need to be restored. Charles Taze Russell, who started the Watchtower organization that became the Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah. he said that Christians are corrupt and yada, yada, yada. And then you have the Hebrew Israelites, you know how they feel about us. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, like, they all kind of have this, this... But they never really have beef with one another like that, but mm-hmm. they all kind of target Christianity and attack Christians in that way. Yeah, Christianity, oh, the church in America has been good at gathering people but has done a poor job holistically discipling people. Mm. Wow. And they know that. Mm. Like when I was in college in the early 90s, when Public Enemy and, you know, Tribe Call Quest, all of them was out, and they all of them five percenters, we was on the campus and we would blast Christians, you know. Um, and then when I became a believer, the reason I feel, I feel like God used the time as a non-Christian that I was influenced by the Nation of Islam and, 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 you know, reading Meta Neta and all of that stuff with the comedic ideologies, reading Yale or Africa and, uh, uh, you know, Sheik uh, Anti Diop and all these guys. Some people don't know who I'm talking about. But anyway, reading all this stuff, that impacted sound how like, I was as a Christian. Sound it, like speaking in tongues a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it made me, I, I said, I never want to be the Christian that's not able to fundamentally understand my faith enough to defend it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I just think that they prey on the fact that traditionally um, we're good at gathering people but not forming people. Like, if you ask the average believer, you believe Jesus Christ is God, show me where. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you know he's man mm-hmm. and God together? Where would you show him? Yeah. There. You know, is he 50% God, 50% man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 75, 25, what? Mm-hmm. I, if, the Trinity. If you believe in the Trinity, where is that at, Right. If you believe the word of God is infallible, where do you, I mean, we talking about fundamental things, yeah. yeah. you know? And so I, I'm not saying you got to understand predestination. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you have to go to Alexandrian manuscripts out of Egypt and being able to read them and translate them to English. Yeah. I'm just saying, bro. The, the key foundation. The key centers. foundational principles. Like, yeah. like fundamentally, like, um, it's funny. And this is what's funny. Like, even in Acts 15, do you know sexuality was a fundamental Bible doctrine that they taught? They said, teach these fundamental essentials. Mm-hmm. So that was in their new members packet. <laughs> wow. Like, it, it, because it was so much of a part of their culture. And so I think that we, we, don't, we don't teach people well about the person of God. Like, mm-hmm. I think we, t- I do think we teach about, we preach about God bringing us out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I don't think we've trained people to not always have to have application when they're taught. Now, what do I mean by that? Sometimes it's just stuff you should just know. Yeah. You don't need to. So what does that have to do with my life? Mm-hmm. When somebody's like that, that that's not a good disposition of, of discipleship. If you say, what does it have to do with my life that God is sovereign? Or what is it? It does do with your life, but you need to understand sovereignty, mm-hmm. not just say, I'm going to put this under my tool belt mm-hmm. because it it resonates with me personally. Mm-hmm. And that's the humanism that seeped into Christianity. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I need from Christianity is what resonates with me not what makes me a good soldier and warrior for the Lord so that I can know my faith. That's good. Part of me is thinking about how I think in some Reformed traditions, Presbyterian, like there is a high emphasis on learning and doctrine Absolutely. and intellectualism. And so would you say that this is a particular, I guess, attack on, like, black communities that, like, there isn't an emphasis that we see publicly when it comes to knowledge and discipleship and all the things? Or am I making that up? Yeah, I think discipleship is happening, but I don't think... I think it's good discipleship happening. I think it's bad discipleship happening. Mm -hmm. So when I say discipleship, I'm talking about helping people to conform to the image of Christ, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I do think that there's there's just... I mean, it is... It's concerning to me what goes viral. Mm. Um, mm. Like, it, it really, like, what people like, um, what doesn't go viral mm. um, concerns me because it shows me, ap- what viral shows you appetite. Mm. It shows you appetite. And I just think that we are, I, I be- this is what I believe is happening. I've been saying this almost every week in preaching. I believe that we're in the center of John 15, 3. God said, Jesus said, um, um, every branch in me that bears fruit, I prune it that it may bear more fruit. What do I believe? I believe God is doing. Very, God has spoken to me about three very specific things. Um, he's speaking to me that three things are going to be pruned. Number one, I'm pruning leaders. Mm. I'm pruning false leaders who are false teaching. Mm. I'm exposing them who have been fleecing the flock and who have been filling on the flock. Whew. Um, God said it's going to be a hefty season of scandal excavation. Wow. Um, the second thing that the Lord spoke very specifically, I don't talk like this. Mm-hmm. This is what he very specifically spoke to me about last year because I was asking, I was depressed after the pandemic mm-hmm. because we lost 75% of our church. Wow. And so I was like ready to quit. Wow. And the Lord was, the Lord had to give me that word to keep me. He said, you can't go public with it now. And um, but you're gonna go public with it in about six months, and so, um, and then when he showed me that, then I understood what's happening. Then our church regrew, mm-hmm. and then grew more. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm still, I gotta get that on my church all over again, mm-hmm. you know. So first, it's pruning leaders. It's gonna be a lot of, and this is no shame and hate on anybody. It's gonna be a lot of things going public. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, because uh, God's tired of it, bro. Yeah. Um, number two, um, he's going to be pruning church rosters and memberships, right? Mm. And the last thing the Lord showed me is he uh, is he's going to be uh, pruning um, churches out of existence. You know, Revelation 2 says, I'll remove your lampstand if you lose your first love. So in heaven, that's why local church is important. Mm-hmm. There's a plug for local church. Every local church that's a, that, that's a ordained station of God's presence on earth has a lampstand in heaven that Jesus Christ inspects constantly. 
Because mm. it says he walks between the seven lampstands. Mm. That's what it says. Mm. And when those lampstands don't represent his reign properly, most people think um, that Revelation 2 is just about doing your devotions. Mm. Like, but that's not just with Revelation 2. It, it, in other words, if you look at the things that he said you do, they, they, there was no, they, it wasn't that they didn't defend the faith. Mm. They didn't have any pastoral care. Wow. They didn't have any love for people. Mm. It was just, we defend the faith and we stand on truth. Goes back to what you were saying mm. about some of those more conservative, kind of hyper theological circles is, is, is that. And so I believe those three things are happening. God is going to be removing, the churches are going to literally be coming out of existence. Church plants mm. that have just started are going to be going out of existence. Mm. Because God is like, you're not going to go plant rebelly out here, and I'm not even lighting this lampstand. Mm. I'm just not even going to light it. We're not going to put a candle for you, and it's over. Mm. And, and, and it, it's going to be a drove of them. And what, what, what I believe God is doing is he's distilling us down to a remnant because he wants us to be missionaries again. He wants us to be evangelists again. He wants us to care about character again. Yeah. He wants us to care about holiness again. He wants us to represent him again. Like, uh, he, he doesn't mind us getting you know, doing entrepreneurialism and, and 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 securing the bag for the kingdom. But it's like, that's all we about, bro. You know? Yeah. And so it's like, God is like, I'm really, I'm wanting a real people of God. And so, but then he's also for the remnant, he's going to be purging us, mm-hmm. dealing with places in our lives mm-hmm. that have been off limits to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell a story of one time when I, um, when we first got our building um, in North Philly and we got, um, I mean, we was infested. With all mm-hmm. kinds of like, you open this door, it's just all stuff just in there. We talking about rats and things. Everything. Oh lord. Everything. Oh we had bats. Not bats. bats. Yes. We you had know he bats. had a pet bat. Oh, okay. Never God mind. You. you had a pet bat growing up. That's a whole other story. That's deep. That's deep. <laughs> That's deep. <laughs> and so, um, the exterminator came and he said, "Before I come in, you gotta you gotta open every door." Mm. And I was like. Well, he said, I don't care if it has a door on it, I need you to open it. Mm-hmm. He said, because if I clean everything out without the these other doors being open, the things that are in there, when open, will remigrate and infest all over again. So God was like, I need you. Mm-hmm. God's saying in this season, I need the body to open up doors that you've refused to open that have been off limits to me. Open up every single area of your life because we're all going to go through some deep pruning. Marriages are going to go through pruning. I believe God's going to help singles to go through pruning so that um, they're not shamed in their singleness and that they're content in it. And if they want to get married, they get married. I just believe God is going to do a lot of work. It's going to be a revival, but I don't think it's going to be like the a, a, a drop down Holy Spirit revival. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a progressive revival. Mm-hmm. I really do. That's mm-hmm. good. How do how do how do Christians lean into that though? Because when I think of the the when I think of pruning, when I think of us becoming a remnant, when I think of all of that, I also think of suffering. I think of persecution. Absolutely. I think of like that 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 is hard, difficult. And so, how does even somebody prepare their lives in such a way, or their hearts, or their faith in such a way to respond to God when that actually does happen? Yeah, I think that um, we do people the disservice because we don't tell them the whole Christian life. Mm-hmm. And so, when you look at Acts fourteen. It says, in verses 19 through 25, it says, he preached the gospel to that entire city. They made many disciples. They appointed leaders for them in that place and commended them to the grace of God, teaching them that through many trials and tribulations you must enter the kingdom. Mm -hmm. In other words, in their fundamental discipleship, suffering was normalized. You're either in a trial, coming out, or going into one. Mm -hmm. And so, like, 
I don't think the Christian church that we have now is ready for the onslaught of suffering. And so I think, but I do think that God is going to, like, I don't, I'm not one of people, oh, the church don't do this, it's going to go out of existence. The gates of hell won't prevail. Right. But uh, so, uh, so I'm not one of those guys. But I do believe mm-hmm. that we have some cancerous problems that have to be dealt with in the season. But I do believe that God is, um, you know, those of us, we would like to believe, everybody wants to believe they're the remnant, right? Mm-hmm. But for those of us who believe we're the remnant, I do believe that that pruning, that part of that pruning is the suffering. Part of that mm-hmm. pruning it's all of those different pieces because, you know, suffering is one of those mechanisms of spiritual formation in our mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Yeah. Quick question. So, um, during the pandemic, I've had a lot of friends and I saw a lot of people go through this whole deconstruction phase, mm-hmm. just deconstructing their faith. Um, but in that, I've seen a lot of people, especially in the African-American community, deconstruct their faith, start to question some things, yeah. and then find the, themselves in the arms of the Hebrew Israelites yeah, yeah. or Moors or a lot of these religions that give them uh, some type of identity, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I will want you to speak to two things. One, uh, why do you think that so many people are going through this so-called deconstruction phase? Mm-hmm. And how can we as Christian leaders, evangelists, uh, apologists, help people to... Um, to know the truth and falling uh, and, and prevent them from falling in the hands of these these false religions and cults. Yeah, a lot running through my mind as you're saying that. So I think I'll, I'll pick two. So um, there are two entryways that um, I think into deconstruction. I think um, one fundamental um, entryway is disappointment. Mm-hmm. Right. Hello. Yeah, that's 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 one major one. Whether you're disappointed that the church didn't deal with race like they should have, or you know, whatever, right? Yeah. Or or, or somebody you really really looked up to, and they were kind of like an anchor for you believing in the faith, and they failed or whatever. Yeah. Then you then you're like questioning everything. But the other side is deconstruction is not many times theological. It's moral. Mm. It's really. I really want to smoke this weed. I really want to smash. Like, so, you know what? Man, I'm kind of not feeling like, <laughs> you know. I, I, it, I think but, it's time to deconstruct. Yeah, so, so most people that throw, <laughs> I, 99.9% of the people. That, I can roll this blunt uh, right, in right, peace right. if I'm deconstructing. Right. 99.9% of everybody I know that deconstructed, it was fundamentally moral. Which is the parable of the sower, I think. Absolutely. Where it talks about how, you know, the, the cares of this world choke out the seed. Absolutely. Like, we don't talk about that enough. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't talk about that enough. But what would you say to the people who said, I went through a deconstruction phase, and it was it was actually not because I wanted to do what I wanted to do, but I, I was really questioning yeah. um, the faith. Um, and, you know, what I've seen, and which is, which is one of the things that I, I was telling a lot of my, my white, you know, followers— online is that when I address these race issues, I'm not just addressing these race issues to pick on white people, but right. I have a I have a large African American following who right. who needs me to talk about these things. Right, right, right. Because it is a matter of of some people walking away from Christianity. Yeah. If 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 people don't see people like us standing up for, you know, the the, the black boy or the black yeah, woman yeah, yeah. who feels not seen, 
other religions might feel seem more attractive, and so it is an it is an, an apologetic for us in the African American yeah. community uh, more than it is with our white brothers and sisters in the, in the faith. And so I think sometimes they don't understand that. And so for the person who says, "Man, like I I, I really tried to you know uh, to to be Christian, but I felt like when I when I went in my in my neighborhood, I felt." I felt more seen by the Hebrew Israelites. I felt yeah, yeah. more seen by the nation yeah, of Islam. Yeah. I felt more seen by, you know, these um, um, women who practice witchcraft on the corner t- telling me that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a black queen and I'm, I'm the universe. No, on the corner. Now, I would, say, um, <laughs> I would say not all deconstruction is bad. Because um, I think deconstruction is fundamentally, I would define it as reevaluating whether or not you believe. Mm. Re- and evaluating where you are with that, right? And I, I would say um, I don't underestimate the process of people going through a full deconstruction, walking away, going into that. Because I've seen cats go into Hebrew Israelism um, and come back when they was like, this is not even what I thought it was. Yeah. Um, and so I think that um, reevaluating your faith, I think even if a person grew up in a suburban youth ministry and they were around the faith and went to college, lost their mind, deconstructed, came back, you know, I think that deconstruction can be a good thing if it helps solidify you and your faith. Mm. Um, but but I do think that, um, again, to answer your question about even the identity question, I just think that we have to have an atmosphere in church where we welcome skepticism. Mm. I, I think, I don't, I, I think, you can't say, well, I, well I, I, see, I don't question God now. Don't you question, I, I, all I know is he too high to get over. Mm. He's too low to get <laughs> under, stuck in the middle. You know, okay. um, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just like, not nah, like. Bishop Mike. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I'm like, there, there's a sense in which we have to, like this generation, like, like y- y'all be asking some questions. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not like, my, my generation did too, but y'all, because the, y'all the internet, y'all hit the internet. So millennials and Gen Z is just, it's so much out there. Like, mm-hmm. Anun- yeah. what's Anunnaki? Like, mm-hmm. you got Dame Dash talking about Anunnaki and that dude he followed. Forgot the dude to be just saying stuff. I forgot what his name is. He's, like, popular. Got millions of followers. And he follows him and does business with him. Mm-hmm. But people watch his videos. And I think that because this... And this is the issue. When you don't well disciple people or disciple people enough to work through their faith and understand it, what happens is when something foreign comes to their faith room, like... um you know, um, where did Cain's wife come from? You know, um, you know, uh, 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 just those gaps in their faith, and you're not able to answer those questions. You know, um, why why didn't uh, you know uh, why, uh, why why did the Bible why who, why was the Bible translated so many times? Why, mm-hmm. And so all of those different questions that come up, and what ends up happening is we have to say, be able to sit down, deal with those questions, and do. A friend of mine used to do what's called doubt night. He said, mm-hmm. just bring all your doubt. That's and we good. it was he just had a, a thing I would love I want to do that like live I want to do like a, a, a when we start the podcast do a doubt night yeah. and just have time where people just go Ask questions just yeah. just go for your doubt and I mean we may not answer every question yeah. but at least we took a shot at saying man God's not scared of any question you got fam yeah. that's like good. he's not scared of none of it I like pa- that part of me is thinking about the whole idea of deconstruction and all the things and thinking how like this is really a community project you know like we need exactly. good leaders we need other Christians but I think a common experience in Atlanta I can't speak for other places is that there's not a lot of good communities or people don't have the framework to know what a good community actually is yeah. and so I guess as a pastor how are people even supposed to discern what a good church is to be able to like yeah you know oh or how oh do how do people 
question is. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, is very important is before we ask what is a good church, we should ask the question, what makes a church a church, mm-hmm. right? So I always ask people that because some people say, well, we can meet in homes. I don't care. Mm-hmm. We can meet in a bar. We can meet in a... St- I don't care about that. What makes a church a church? Does it have preaching, mm-hmm. teaching, worship, evangelism, elders, deacons, community, uh, church discipline, mm-hmm. baptism, and communion? Does it have that? Right, mm-hmm. so 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 does it have those things? Mm-hmm. Like so, because that, that's what when we look at the pastoral epistles, First, Second Timothy, mm-hmm. Titus. That's 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 what he said. I left you in Crete in Titus one five to set in order what remains. Mm-hmm. Right, and so and so th- that means that there is order to a church. So that's why I do believe in organized religion. Mm-hmm. I do, mm-hmm. I do, I believe in. I'm religious. Because religious means holiness and piety and committed to God's standards. And God mm-hmm. said his religion is pure. Pure. Hello. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so I, 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 all that religion and relationship, relationship is fluid. Like you can't have a relationship with God without religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a whole nother discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so I would start there. And I think that, um, and I think people, God, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will guide you into all truth. I believe that with the bottom of my heart. Because mm. even when you were a young Christian, right, and you was in somewhere, and you was, um, you was, um, you, you listening to somebody preach, and you don't know enough of the word, mm-hmm. but there's something in you that's like, something's bugged out it's, about this spot, it's a right? It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember I was, when I was in college, and I started walking with the Lord, you know, I, I would share the gospel with the tree. I was just so on fire. Yeah. And um, I was at this church, and the dude was going through 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And he, you know, I believe in all the gifts, right? Um, but he was saying, you know, uh, Paul isn't saying that you can't speak in tongues publicly without interpretation. And then I'm like, I'm looking at the Bible. He starts, I don't even remember the rant that he was going on. But I remember that. I said, nah, this is not true. Even though I, he was a pastor for years or whatever. But I, but I knew that what he was saying was off. I believe that you, if you speak in tongues publicly, you got to have an interpretation. Not everybody praying your prayer language. I know some people are going to get mad. Yeah, yeah. Listening to this, like, every, you just randomly t- speaking in tongues. And so um, the reason why I'm saying that is because I think that there's a sense in which mm. God helps a babe, even, like, even children, right? Mm. Children are discerning without wisdom mm. at times. They'll, mm. they'll see somebody, and it's something they don't like about them, mm. you, know? Um, it, you know? And so I think that... Finding a church is, first off, um, being able to, to visit places that have those things that I just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. But then as you visit those places that have those things and be in your word and start listening and discerning, and as you listen and discern and connect with somebody that you believe is solid, mm-hmm. biblical to faith, if, you, if you're watching this podcast, right? Yeah. Um, then you've, co- you've connected at least technologically with some people that you think are decently solid. And what have they been saying characteristically, hmm. that would say, dang, I'm listening to them. I believe they're solid. That's not something that's here. And this is, and so you got, but this is the, this is the big issue hmm. that people got to do. You have to have, you have to know what a close-handed issue is and what an open-handed issue is. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to be careful of making open-handed issues. What do I mean by open-handed? Things that are negotiable. Because mm-hmm. your church ain't going to have everything you want. And yeah. every church not going to have everything you want. But the non, you got to know what those non-negotiables are. And some of those things are some of the things that I talked about right. there. But then you got to choose what are your open-handed issues that you feel like you really do need that's important to you that you couldn't live without. So is this... Is this Does some, that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Is, it, is it some things that people should... Like, look, I want good worship. 
Absolutely. But I got to keep an open hand. Yeah. Right. Hello. Yeah. 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 Uh, is there some, is there is there some things that s- some Christians should like some big no nos that they should look out for when trying to figure out yeah a, a good church to like practical things. Oh, very practical. Because what, what's hard, Doctor Mason, is the popular churches are assumed to be the good churches because it's kind of like. Well, if everybody's going yeah. here, then obviously it's. I think we have then, this assumption that like bad churches are empty churches. Yeah, and because yeah. I because I think sometimes people can associate people flocking to something that that God hand is on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, and mm-hmm. so and so, would you talk about the things that we should look for in discerning what's a good church? Yeah, I think um, Christ has to be centered. What does that look like? Yeah, the pastor can't be over celebrated. There's nothing wrong with appreciation because mm-hmm. it's important. I think leadership, but the, the, and the leadership, ha- the leadership has a, a plurality of leaders with what I call a first among equals, right? And so um, that first among equals is the person that is the rudder for the ship, right? Um, the visionary, yeah. the one uh, you know, double honor leads well, right? Um, like like Peter was in the the uh, church, uh, 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 the Jerusalem church, like Timothy was in Ephesus, mm-hmm. like Titus was in the. Churches on Crete, right? <clears throat> so you need that. I think um, they stay in the Bible and they go through what the Bible actually says. We were talking about somebody earlier who was, Jesus gives the interpretation of the verse, but they said something totally different. Mm-hmm. Like paying attention. Like we learned context clues in the third grade. It's some stuff <laughs> that you can literally, <laughs> that you can literally just see without knowing Hebrew or Greek, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, also, what's the community like? Like, what mm. what what mechanisms do they provide mm. to help people to connect with other people? Um, mm. And in those spaces, how do they connect? Is the word of God talked about? Mm. Um, is it um, uh, and 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 is and is it a sense of? And this is some stuff pastors can't necessarily control. That's something where believers have to take responsibility for helping being community developers, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, do, do, do people, do, do they have a space for believers to do life on life? Mm-hmm. If you, Like, at the end of the day, that's not talking about being all in your business. I don't want nobody in business. Mm-hmm. You have to have space that's good. for people to be. Listen, the most impactful discipleship, I guarantee that you've had, I mean, there are levels of discipleship. You have air war, you have ground war. Mm-hmm. Air war is Sunday morning worship, you know, um, teaching, conferences, all those things is air war, right? Yeah. But then you got the ground war. That's mm. small groups, you know, one-on-one discipleship, you know, small small yeah. groups of discipleship. All those different things are God's means of helping Christ and relationships with other believers. Yeah. So I, I think that I think that you got to have those things because if you let the production experience of Sunday morning be kind of like your, 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 the pep rally for your mm. Christian experience, you won't grow deep. That's, That's good. good. That's yeah. really good. I, I, I'm going to ask questions. Can I see the book? I'm going to ask questions about the book, but I'm taking advantage of uh, asking you everything. So <laughs> you made a post on Instagram a couple of weeks ago about us lacking a kind of sacredness in the pulpit. Yeah. Um, can you talk more about that? Because I'm only judging from social media, but even, I'll, I'll speak for myself, even the other day, I was teaching at Glory and... I can be a humorous person, yeah, yeah. right? And I was just in really? a real good mood. Yes. And so I just kind of kept, kept cracking jokes and I felt convicted. It felt like the Lord was like, pull back on the funny. Yeah. Like, like there has to be a level of sobriety here. He was and like, mm-hmm. stop. 
No, I felt it, and so I it literally had to rein it in because I think the I think levity is good, it's and good. I think it's meaningful and necessary. But I also think it can be a distraction from the word, and yeah. so I can even see within myself how I need to to treat the pulpit, even though I'm not a pastor, not at more sacred. And so I guess That's speak good. to that tension we see um, with pastors and things. Yeah. So one of the things I start with is how does God speak to me? Huh. Okay. So what does He use? He uses so much beautiful language in the Bible. Mm-hmm. He uses poetry. He uses narrative. He uses straight talk through letters. He mm-hmm. even uses humor. He uses romance. Mm-hmm. He uses satire. God, I believe that those are all communication tools, mm-hmm. right? Now, we can't story people to death. Yeah. We can't, we can't, we can't rhetorical language people to death. We can't appeal. So I think that it has to be varying. I do think. This is what it came from. I won't name specific things. Um, no, no, I will name some specific things. Um, I remember listening to a young man preach. And I remember he dropped the ASS bomb in the message and then Dan, you know, D-A-M-N. Mm. And I was like, I was like, whoa. I was like, mm. I was like, what, what is this? Mm. And I do think that there's such a rejection of rhetorical black church preaching. Mm. Um, um, uh, 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 I won't say rejection. People just view it in a particular way sometimes, particularly this generation. Um, That the newer church plants and the newer leaders have so deformalized church, we've removed creeds. Mm. We we don't really have liturgy anymore. Anything that, like liturgy, the purpose of liturgy was to catechize people's understanding of the faith where every part of the gathering um, was helping us remain connected to the vintage faith. Yeah. Right. I think now I don't, I think that people are not just not necessarily concerned about the vintageness of the faith. I think it's evolved. I think the whole um, secret sensitive movement Mm kind of turned the church into a me centered disposition in preaching. Mm -hmm. And so what that's done is that has evolved the church into where it feels like I'm going to more of a comedy show, mm. talking to a preacher, and I'm having a, a, a this type of worship experience mm. that makes me feel this particular way. But I just feel like there, there's been a sacredness taken out of it because we wanted, and I think in some ways it was good mm. because it was good in that it removed some of the obstacles that people had with coming to church. Mm. Like I would go on the block and say, yo, come to church Sunday, and they would be like, um, I need to get a suit, I need to boom, boom, boom. And I said, nah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just like this, you can come. Mm. And so I think being very, very careful of letting our relatability lack um, honor yeah. um, and balance. Mm. And I've had to repent. Mm. Like when I've gone too far mm. um, in stuff that I've said, I, I, I could immediately, sometime immediately, I felt the Holy Spirit grab a hold of me in a terrible kind of way. Mm. I remember one time in a sermon, I said, let me stop. I mm. said, I need to repent of what I just said. Mm. I said, I went too far. Wow. Mm. Please forgive me. And um, and then I just prayed and then went back preaching. Mm. And um, I think because I, I can feel it when I'm not, when I'm being, because you you know when you know my, in black church when you get a lot of amens you start feeling it. I'm really preaching right now. Yeah, I'm killing it right now. Yeah, let me you know and I'm you know and so I'm going and then I'm like God like don't for, don't forget I will leave you behind up here, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'll I'll just yeah. I'll just I, you know and so but, being able to do that is important for me. Let me ask you this though because I think. Um, a lot of the lack of reverence that we see in pulpits, we see 
primarily on social media now. We mm-hmm. see we see a, a, a lot a lot of different stuff out there. And do you think that uh, some of it is a temptation to quote unquote reach the world in a, in the wrong way to have this some type of relatability to 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 the outside world to draw people in that we kind of sometimes go too far in making people feel like they can relate to the church. And would you speak to that? Because I, I can I can imagine some pastors may have that that temptation to appeal to people in a way to draw them. I think um, people, um, I don't think a lot of pastors have been discipled in how to navigate the sacred desk. Hmm. So I believe a lot of guys are undiscipled as believers and as pastors. Mm-hmm. And I think they have a gift that took them farther than their character can keep them. And not just in being anything else, but I think even in, like, if because if I'm gathering a crowd, there's nothing you're going to be able to tell me once I got the people. Yeah. Like, and so if you got somebody in there that has a smaller church than you saying, hey, young man, mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. He said, well, I'm looking over there at you, fam, and you yeah. looking like you got 100 people over there. I'm looking at 2,500. What you, what you mean? What yeah. you going to tell me? And so I, I do think that um, pastors have to have sages. Mm. I believe... Like, you know, you go, I believe, this is me. This is something I just believe. You go through stages as a believer, as a leader, that you need to work through. Brother, big brother, uncle, spiritual father, sage. That's, that's, that, that's kind of like, and I think we need sages. I think, I, I think we need sages more than ever mm. right now. Um, and spiritual fathers, people need spiritual fathering, spiritual mothering. And any sages in their life that is able to call their coats on it. And I, th- I think that's really fundamentally, um, there's just been a, a big dis- gener- generational disconnect because the former generation didn't necessarily all hand a baton over to the next generation well when it came to church. And so the next generation felt like they had to start their own thing and it was mm-hmm. separate from their thing mm-hmm. and didn't necessarily connect the dots. And that's not everywhere, but there's a significant amount of that. And I would say particularly in church planting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. because a lot of church plant organizations will plant people and let them lead without them having a spiritual father, a church home, or nothing. They'll just they'll just assess them and plant them, which is super unhealthy. What is the neo-prosperity gospel? Yeah, so the neo-prosperity gospel is the non-overt um, prosperity gospel, which basically doesn't overtly says that everybody is going to be rich if you give, if you do this. The neo-prosperity gospel is the new, uh, the, the new purpose. The, it's the purpose gospel that we hear a lot. Mm. And so it's, it builds your life. Instead of around money, it gets it on the back end. Mm. If you find your purpose, you'll be rich. Mm. The, so, so, so let me help you to find your purpose, and then you'll be, you can make, you, money will come if you just find out your purpose. But I tell people there's a difference between purpose and assignment. Hmm. So a lot of what we call purpose is really assignment. Yeah. Biblically, our purpose is to make disciples, hmm. to preach the gospel to the many, to, 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 to the invisible powers, hmm. you know, uh, uh, to go to jail, to Samaria, to, hmm. to be the body of Christ, to hmm. use our gifts to serve one another. That's our macro purpose. Hmm. Now, you being a doctor is not your purpose. That's an assignment, hmm. you know. And so, and so we have to be hmm. be very, very careful of that of that of the whole purpose gospel because i think that every if like everybody and i don't think it's anything wrong with helping people to lock into where they belong 
based on gifts and talents and where they best fit. But your gift and your talent isn't your purpose. Your purpose is based on your God's decrees on earth for what the... And it's a unified purpose. Mm. It's not your personal purpose. It's our purpose together to make disciples. It's our purpose. That's purpose. Now, you do poetry. You do poetry. You write. Writing isn't my purpose. It's my assignment. Yeah. And we got to know the difference between those. Yeah. But the assignment is only assignment if it serves the larger purpose. That's yeah. Good. yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but it seems as if, like, this, this whole purpose-driven preaching is fairly new compared to, like, the prosperity gospel that we that we knew before. And so this is a question for both of you guys because I know you've been kind of on a little tangent. Knee deep in prosperity gospel. Knee deep in studying this stuff. <laughs> what is it? What does it come from? What is this purpose-driven prosperity gospel kind of came from? And like, why, why is it so popular in our culture right now? Why, why y'all think that is? Well, it was a book, psychology book written years ago called Search for Significance. Mm. Um, I read it like in the early 90s when I was in college. I saw that yesterday at... Um... The library. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good book. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> Carl Ellis, um, when he talks about the whole cult stuff, he says, listen, people, it's three things, you know, uh, significance, dignity, and identity. Mm-hmm. That's fundamental human needs. You know, significance, you know, what's my purpose? Uh, 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 you know, significance, dignity, who am I? I, I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, dignity, um, what's my value? Mm-hmm. And then identity, who am I? Those are the three fundamental questions every human being asks. The purpose-driven thing connects it earthly, mainly, and using God to get that on earth for the person to find those three things out. Mm -hmm. So I find out these three things not to plug it into God's purpose and what he's called us to do as the body of Christ, but this is for me to be unleashed and in some way, shape, or form in an individualistic way, this will somehow connect to God's purposes. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the Bible says that... um, he or she who isolates himself seeks his own desires, Proverbs 18.1. And so I do think that we, I think it started out with a hyper-individualistic culture because we went from modern culture where it was, you know, scientific culture. Then we went to postmodernism, And then we, then, you know, then we went to pluralism. Hmm. And now we're in syncretism, right? Hmm. And so, and so what do I mean by that? Every, every, I mean, we're in a pluralistic society where there is, there is no wrong as long as it doesn't infringe upon my right. Mm. So, so if you, so, so like, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, you can believe and do what you want to do, right? Mm. And so, I do think that that plays a role into whatever culture's big subject purpose statement is. There's going to be a spiritualized version of that in the church, always. Wow. If you look at every big movement, like every big movement that happens in the world, right? There's always going to be a spiritualized version of it in the church that gets propagated to the church. Guarantee it. Wow. If you look at anything and name it, and you'll and you'll and you'll find it every single time. Every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that resonates with even the chapter on the prosperity gospel and how it talks about E.W. Kenyon, who was a proponent of like not a proponent. Like, he had learned a lot about new thought, which was, like, this science that said, like... Absolutely. What I think or what I say will be what my reality or whatever, but he, like, Christianized it. And so there's this secular occultic idea that he then sanctifies, and then that becomes the Word of Faith movement, which, and therefore, becomes prosperity gospel. So I think it's interesting. But if, but now it's influenced... I hear... I, I listen to secular car podcasts, like, soundbites. I can't listen to two hours of that. But, yeah. like... <laughs> I listen to sound bites and I hear them. I'm manifesting. 
I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm speaking it to existence. Mm-hmm. Like they got that from yeah. prosperity gospel. Quote. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's like a Christian, the secret. Yeah, it's a new wow. Christian need. Like they, they write about some things. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Are we supposed? Are it? Are these things? Would this like be a part of what Jude talks about when he says contend for the faith? Is this a contending issue? Which part? The prosperity gospel. Because yeah, I, I can do. see contending for Hebrew against Hebrew That's Israelism. A good question. Now, because, yeah. you, you know what's one of the craziest verses? I think I sent it to you. The craziest verses that I read was in Second Peter. It like if you go through Second Peter, like if you like, I'm just telling y'all. I'm thinking about doing a series on preaching all of the the the. Chapters in the New Testament on false teachers. Mm. Like, can literally. You do it? Can you do it? Can we vote? Can we <laughs> Let's vote? Let's go. Let's okay. go. That'd be really good. Listen, and listen, 2 Peter is scary. Yeah. 2 Peter 2, if you read it, in one of the ones that it says, they're trained in teaching greed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Trained in teaching Trained. Greed. Like, so literally, they their discipleship mechanism is teaching preachers how to get money from people. That's how you know somebody's a false teacher. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Trained. I went to this one church, right? To y'all story, prosperity story. So God, <laughs> he cut an apple open. He said, um, hey man, this, this seed here, this apple came into existence because of this seed. But unless this seed was planted, uh, <laughs> this apple became a tree. And this tree manifested a multiplicity of apples. I sense an apple seed anointing in this place. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start a $1,000 line right here. And God has anointed this seed that at every person that holds this seed, you pass it back to the person and you give it. And that anointing will be passed to you. And your... Tr- he sound like James Earl Ray when he sounds like a liar. Listen, and them folk was, what's your coach? <laughs> Lined up down the a thousand dollar line, thousand dollar line, bro. Jeez. Yeah, man. And so, and so, I'm, and so, I'm saying that to say, like, they're trained, but they trained. I remember I was at one church, and I preached, and the Lord really blessed. I closed. I don't usually close a lot, but I closed at this church. The Lord blessed. The pastor said, "You can raise an offering now. You can." I was like, "Nah, I'm not, I, I don't. I've never mm-hmm. got up. Okay, now, y'all. Like after I preached to use the emotion that's in the room. Yeah, not for repentance, but for resources. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> ugh, anyway, mm-hmm. um, now I believe in people giving. I believe in generosity. Right. So don't hear me saying I don't believe in people building wealth. Don't hear me saying I don't believe, you know, in people, you know, finances. The Bible right. talks a lot about it, but I'm talking about financial centered theology. That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Wow. Yeah. Oof, you stuck on a lot of. A lot of toes with that one. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Because because this is this is what I'm struggling with. This is unprocessed. I I feel like we talked about the prosperity gospel in extremes Absolutely. for so long that the subtle versions of it aren't actually discernible. You know, like I I think people are teaching greed just in a different way. Like I think when I when I think about how the teaching now is such a it has such a self-centered hermeneutic is that not greed is like, that not reinforcing yeah. a lack of self-denial I, this is no shade okay i'm gonna say something y'all cut this if y'all want to right we not go ahead <laughs> go ahead Sam. like if if the church pays for me a limousine service and i got all this security and then the door opens and me and my wife get out 
And the first thing you see is our shoes and they Balenciaga. And I know I got on some hype shoes now. So I'm not against the, but I'm saying I got, I get, I get out and I'm going like this. And I, and I put on, I'll take off my glasses and look around and going to church, and every it's like a red carpet, and I'm high-fiving everybody, and, you know, and everybody's, you know, I'm doing the peace sign, and then, I, I, you know, you, I, you saw my belt, and I, the, my wife puts her pocketbook down, and it's bur- Birkin, you know, and, 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 like, the flow is almost, what are you saying? Right. Like, what do, what do, what do, why are you looking at me? <laughs> I'm just listening. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, listen, do what you want to do, but I'm like, what are you trying to what communicate? Are, so to me, that's the neo-prosperity gospel. Yes. Like, I think, like, I, I saw, I'm, I'm going to just say this. I saw one pastor just put online him buying a luxury car. Like, I'm like, this is my come up. And I'm like, like, what are we doing? Like, it, like, what are we, like, I'm not saying you can't drive a brand's dog. What, like, I hope motive. I, yeah, what are we doing? Because it's, 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 more, it's, it's more than one way to communicate. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you're communicating, because I'm, I'm the pastor because I've, I, I, I'm spiritually mature. This is what I've, I, I, my faithfulness, I've obtained all of these things. And so I, this is why a lot of times people flock to some churches and they want to be that. They're, they're seeking to be that. They're seeking for status, fame, money. Uh, and these things aren't bad within themselves, but when it, when it becomes the center of Because I think even Paul... Ministry, you know what I'm saying? People like, buy what you want to buy, yeah. but I'm just saying, I, I just don't... I just... I'm, we're branding something, though. Yes. Yeah, because it makes us feel good, right? Because me and Preston, we are very much in the position where we could flex, right? Right, and people we be could, where sometimes we could, I be flex. I be like, this is thrift store, and I just know how to dress. Y'all don't know how to put the outfit together. <laughs> but I have, I have to be honest with my. I remember there was a time where I was about to uh, teach, and it was probably seven, eight thousand people, and I had to tell God, I want, I want glory, mm. I want it. I'm insecure. I feel insufficient. I was a kid that nobody liked. I was a nerd. I wasn't cool. I wasn't. But here now I have the opportunity to get what I never got. And so let me confess that. You better teach. So that the Lord would fill me so that I serve his people and not instead of having his people serve me. You're going to. But so I just even wonder if we're having those internal conversations with God out loud so that we could be pure when it comes to our ministry. Yeah. So so you got two extremes. So you got. I was going to say something. I'm not going to say it. you You got the pastor worship situation but then in those more solid spaces you you have people who have church hurt been church hurt or they so want to demolish the past that there's no value there mm-hmm. and i think that that's what you'll find on mm-hmm. that's that's like the quiet extreme that's going on now mm-hmm. i'm so anti-prosperity that like i know so many underpaid pastors mm-hmm. like so many i know pastors that the church they struggle to get them 401k, you know, or 403b rather, you know, and so there's that extreme. But I'm, but, 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 but to speak to this though, um, to speak to the other side, I just think that I don't, I, I think that we're in this, I just think we're in a society where the, I think we love the world. And I think that, I just think we love the world. And I think that mm. if you say something, you're judging. Like, instead of just, like, correction now, we're so soft as some baby pampers that we can't receive a challenge. Why are you worried about what I got on? Why you, like, like no, because you can't, you, you, like, in, 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 other, in other words, like, what, what, what are, is, is the, is, are we required of anything of us? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, I just think, you know, promiscuous, dressing online, 
you know, that too. It's just the whole, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I'm, I really just want to see a, a, a branded Christian faith that's biblical that just takes the faith seriously and repents, like mm. saying stuff like, I want glory, mm. you know? So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You actually ended your book talking about rebranding the church. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I did a series on this. Um, and so um, basically when I talk about rebranding the church, it's not re- recreating, mm-hmm. but basically going back to who we originally are. You know, a lot of people read Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Mm-hmm. It says, they read the first part. They like that because that's the part we get the blessing off of, right? Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power that is at work within you. But the last part says, to him be glory in the church mm. and in Christ Jesus. And that word, that, that I did glory, doxa, uh, in ecclesia, in my mind, is his tabernacling among his people. Mm. The Shekinah glory presence of God mm. in the church, properly shining forth from the church. I want to see us just shine well. That's good. Like, like I just want to see us shine well. I want to see us repent well. I want to see us to date well. <laughs> I want to see us, if you drink, not overdrink, mm. right? I want to see us not getting smoke. I, 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 saying I smoke weed as CB, like we're using it for something we're not using it for. Yeah, mm. you know, I, I want to see us um, look nice, but don't have to be promiscuous looking. Mm. Um, I want to see us. I, I just want to see us rep his reign well. Mm. That's good. I, I just and, and so when I when I talk about apologetics and talk about urban apologetics, that's the big thing I'm really talking about. Talking about man, not just having answers with our lips, but also having answers with our life. That's mm. good. Um, I, I, I because because I and and I'm all, again, we're not talking about being perfect. We're talking about being in process. Yeah. And so at least be in process. That's mm-hmm. good. You know, not yeah. being defiant. I was preaching, we're going through Hebrews right now, and, and he was talking about the defiant believer, the person who defiantly uh, 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 resists the Lord is one who tramples the blood of Christ underfoot. You know, and basically it means to treat him like the, the priest treated the, the, uh, the, the person lying on the road. And when he walked around him because he didn't want to get unclean, because now you're treating Christ's body like he's an unclean vessel versus a vessel that cleanses when wow. we live defiantly against the Lord. Wow. So I, I, and so that's, that's, that's my passion um, on every single level is to see the body of Christ be the body of Christ. That's good. What would you, what, to end, what would you want people, the main thing, or if, if you want to name a couple of things, to walk away from reading this book? Yeah. Be passionate about being responsible for the Christian faith. Own it. Mm, that's good. For me, that's really what apologetics is about, owning the faith. And when I say own the faith, take it seriously. Take it as, look at it as your craft. Mm. You know, I like, I like, you know, I like Kobe Bryant. I, you know, I got a couple of pair of Kobe sneakers. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole Mamba mentality. And when you look at, you know, a Kobe Bryant, everybody loves him. Because of how serious he took his craft. Yeah. You know, and I just want to see, I want to see us to be some, I want to, I love to see people just be Jesus geeks. Yeah. Just a nerd of the Savior, you know, <laughs> and I, I just would love us to be in 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 that place where, um, you know, Paul says in one of his doxologies, he says, now under, unto him 
who is able to establish you according to the preaching of my gospel. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, I want you to be established in the gospel well, and that um, we go from milk to meat and, and meat and demand righteousness. Mm -hmm. You know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right, well, y'all need to go out and get this cut, book. Cut my finger oh, off. Sorry, sir. All right, I already took your finger. <laughs> Urban Apologetics by um, Dr. Eric Mason, um, Cults and Cultural Ideologies, man. It's a great book. I haven't read it yet, but I know it's a great book because I know him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother, man. I love Appreciate you, man. It. Love you all. A Thank big you, brother in the faith love to love me. You, love, you, love, you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. Nice, y'all. Peace. With the Perrys is produced by the Perrys with support from Amanda Reed and Channing B. McBride. Editing by Xavier Fairley. Video recording and audio production by Kim Powell. Artwork by Hop. And music by Swoop. If you'd like to support the Perrys, you can visit the link in the show notes. This is With the Perrys. Thank you for listening. Now go with God 